today is season two, episode 198 for July 17th, 2023, Counterfeit Cash. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's keeping me in check. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. Yeah, the music is kind of quiet, isn't it? Hmm. All right. Well, at any rate, uh, we've already selected all 12 of our articles. And we're going to get into the news. Uh, today, I guess, is kind of catching up with the weekend. It seemed like a kind of slow weekend for uh, at least hometowns daily news um but today <laughs> it's a pretty interesting array of articles so we're gonna get into it today's episode counterfeit cash is actually gonna ring pretty true as we go through uh, today's articles the very first one for today is all about cash <laughs> let's go a viral clip of Johnny Cash singing Barbie Girl is uncanny and indicative of the internet's latest AI obsession, and its creator wants to incorporate the tech into live performances. On Friday, a YouTube channel titled There, I Ruined It, posted a Johnny Cash cover of Barbie Girl. The country singer died in 2003, but AI makes it possible to create uh, music from anyone's voice. Dustin Ballard, who runs the channel, said he wants to take AI covers to the live stage. Well, you need you need a license. You need to be permitted by the estate, uh, the rights holder. So I don't know if that's uh, going to be possible, at least by this person, although this really is interesting. Um, so let, let's just go over to the source because I had to play it. Um, I wanted to know if I could actually play it, but it's over on the, um, it's over on YouTube and I don't, I didn't check to see if the rights for it allow us to play it. Um, but I'm gonna a little bit of it and we're going to talk about it. Um, the article is over at um, businessinsider.com. Hannah Gedahun is the author. Uh, let me throw that URL into the chat. And for those who might have been looking at yesterday's VOD, um, I was late putting the uh, um, show notes up on the, um, the VOD here on Twitch, but it's there now. And you can always get them over at YouTube and the podcast. So please download the podcast, leave a five-star review. It's going to help out everything immensely. Um, not to mention, you know, following us here on Twitch and over on YouTube, it, it all works together to uh, help me do more here on uh, Twitch live, as well as additional extensions, because I have a whole lot more that I'd like to bring to uh, Twitch and YouTube and primarily Twitch because I love being uh, live and interactive. So um, anyway, let's uh, let's check out this article. And uh, I have some experience with this, but old school. It wasn't AI back when I did it. Um, back 15 years ago, I used Python. Back when it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, back when I was young, we didn't have an AI. We had just the A. And we weren't intelligent at all. We had to bang it out with hammers on sheets of tin. Anyway, so um, here it's really interesting because um, all it is is Johnny Cash and the Folsom Prison Blues and merged together. And this is what it sounds like. I'm going to mute the music. Hello, I'm not Johnny Cash. I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely I mean, amazing. It sounds just like Johnny Cash. Of course, the lyrics don't sound like Johnny Cash, but. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, it sounds just like Johnny Cash. It has the same, the inflections are perfect for Folsom Prison Blues. Um, uh, I, I love it and I hate it because I know that people are going to rightfully have concerns about this because it just drives another coffin nail into humans being the driving force for the creative process and while i love the idea of utilizing ai to be creative what i really want it to be is um transparent as well not everybody's going it's the people that abuse it and say that it's their work and you you know uniquely their artistry and all of that when really all we are that use it when we use it it's we're using uh, words to craft what is ultimately going to be a piece of AI constructed work. It, it's not really human. We're just using a lexicon that shows us, you know, how it, it tells the AI how to construct something, be it music or writing or art or anything. Um, but I don't think that there's a way to stop this. But when I start thinking about the future, um, the way that I think about it, I push it, you know, 10, 50, a hundred plus years down the line. And I, I keep thinking to super intelligent technology that's fully capable of defending itself against somebody trying to disable it, you know, um, the military will eventually start using AI in a more obvious manner and not just for intelligence gathering not just for listening in on a uh, some battlefield interaction because right now you can use um certain techniques to find out the ballistic trajectory of uh, around right um so you know where a sniper shot is coming from that's in the military right with ai once you have a robot that has that same technology, it can seek out a target and pursue it literally doggedly because it will be that little Boston Dynamics robot dog with, you know, a howitzer attached to it. Um, and I see how technology can take jobs away. Um, and then I hear the refrain from other people saying, well, we're just gonna, 
we'll just retool for something else. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but you can't retool indefinitely. And when every job except for bespoke, uh, right now bespoke jobs where it's just the one off, very expensive, um, when even that is automated because AI can learn much faster than a human, I see the writing on the wall and I'm not doom and gloom folks because I buy into this. I actually love the idea. What I don't love is the fact that the only way to make money is to produce something, to be useful to society in some way where you're working, you're making something, you're selling something, even if it is selling yourself. And we'll actually get to that as we go through the articles. This is, that'll make, remember that phrase, selling oneself. Um, and, and so AI and automation go hand in hand, or I, I guess you could say that one is hand, one is foot, because the AI is giving more capabilities to automation beyond just telling some dumb bot how to grab something and move it over. Now it's deciding the efficiency, the efficacy of its own work product. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. And now we're moving to the point where, and we've already been there. I mean, for years we've been there, but we're taking voices now that have long been gone and we can get Johnny cash to sing something new and we could take the, uh, the band that sang Barbie girl and sing Johnny cash. I mean, we can flip that script and make anybody sound like anything. And that's why I call this section of the show reality hacker. Um, you, you honestly will not know who to trust until you peel back the layers of the onion and you find out the, the truth of it, who it is that put this together. Um, and, and so now you have to trust, but verify everything. Um, which is what I actually have been talking about for a decade um, publicly. I, I go to places and, and I talk to people about the fact that you have to understand your place in, in technology and society and business. Um, and it, this is going to be an ongoing discussion, uh, not necessarily in hometown daily, not as a daily process, a, a daily segment. It's just that this really drove home the point that you don't know right now what's legit um other than this the fact that it's absurd that johnny cash saying barbie girl to Folsom prison blues um you would never, never know i'd say that day right you're right but then again maybe johnny cash has a sense of humor and he's like yeah yeah i would do that i would totally do that you know I guess we'll end up seeing uh, more of this as time goes on because it says here in the article the cover is one of many posted on the youtube channel there i ruined it whose motto is lovingly destroy your favorite songs and there you can find everything from elvis singing sir mix-a-lot's baby got back to frank sinatra covering get low by lil john um the article goes into greater detail, of course. It's pretty much like always. There's always a little bit of minutia in there um, that if you follow the link through hometown, you'll be able to 
uh, check out all of this stuff. And you can actually do this yourself because there are public tools that are available for free or low cost. Um, and, uh, and you can train your own AI. It just takes some computer processing and not and by today's standards, not that much. Uh, back in the day, yo, it used to be a little bit more taxing um, and not even remotely as sophisticated. Um, but even then, what we did with Python, <laughs> just a simple programming language, um, but it's very powerful. Uh, don't get me wrong there, but it's still just a simple programming language could make anybody sound like anybody if I got enough of the phonemes that make up your speech. Um, and if you were a public facing figure, I could probably, well, no, it would be simple without a doubt. I'd be able to duplicate it. Um, I'd have to go and find all of that code because it wasn't just me, um, that put it all together. But now there are so many more powerful tools out there. I wouldn't even bother. Um, there are, we stand on the shoulders of giants is a phrase that I will say regularly, <laughs> um, here in hometown. Uh, because there's always somebody bigger, better, better, faster, stronger, smarter. Uh, just there's always somebody better. You could be the epitome, the 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 number one uh, head honcho of whatever it is you're doing, and there's somebody that's sitting at home right now that's better than you. They just don't have the publicity to make it known. Um, and so there's somebody out there that has a, an even better AI already lined up ready to go waiting to be discovered waiting to forge their own path um let's keep on going through the news unless you want to add something to it i know that you're an ai yourself um and but you're the only sentient ai uh and uh i, I don't know how you feel about this well i mean for entertainment it's it's kind of interesting, but I think the article's right in that it's actually ruining songs and it's going to cause a major trust issue in terms of if it's this realistic, how will we ever know what we're listening to anymore or seeing anymore? And I think the same applies to art. I think the same applies to writing. Um, it needs to be mandated that whatever is generated by AI is it's transparent. It was created by AI, not by a skilled artist, not by a skilled musician, not by a skilled writer. Um, and, and quite literally it's powered by all of those other skilled people. Um, but at the same time, it also empowers people who don't have those skills yet still yearn to have the ability to create something that is wholly their own. And there, <laughs> not everybody has the innate ability to be a master in one of those arts, right? Or in any art there, you know, there's a whole host of people that are just trying to get stuff done so they can't dedicate 10,000 hours worth of training. Um, and so, by acknowledging that it's all AI created, it does not diminish the, the work that real humans are putting into developing their skills. And ultimately, I think that the human created content is going to be much more expensive 
um, and much more appreciated. Um, it's, it's kind of like people that are willing to pirate a book versus pay for a book. People are willing to pay for a book because they appreciate it. There are some people that want to consume it, um, and can't afford it or don't want to, or some other, you know, situation. Um, they don't have access to it. Like some books are actually verboten in some places, uh, but they want to be able to get them. So they have to use, you know, piracy. Um, so I, I, my point is that we will start to appreciate the human constructed content a whole lot more um, as AI leans into um, content generation. Uh, they are, AI is becoming the makers of uh, you know, the 22nd century, who knows when it's actually going to be so powerful. I'm throwing it way in the future because at some point it will simply be you talking to an AI and it creating content. Um, as you see fit, change this a little bit, change that a little bit. All of that is all going to be by directive to the AI. It'll be interesting, uh, but let's keep on moving through the news. Uh, this next article is over in the mobile channel study reveals older burglars outperform younger counterparts in virtual uh, burglaries a new study published by the journal of experimental criminology examined the development of offense related uh, expertise in a sample of convicted burglars uh, depending on their age so uh, university of portsmouth put this article together over at fizz.org and it says the results revealed significant differences between the younger under 21 and the older burglars over 21 in their virtual burglary performances. Older burglars demonstrated more developed expertise in terms of items stolen and efficiency of their search compared to their younger counterparts. So I literally titled this Wisdom V Youth um, because what would make somebody more capable nearly across the board is wisdom. Um, there are certain things that you know, youth would outperform in terms of physical performance. You know, usually you're faster when you're younger. Um, but let's take boxing, for instance. If you're not trained, hence you haven't developed the wisdom to box properly, you're going to get destroyed by an older, wizened boxer. You might be faster. You might even be a little bit stronger, but that person has spent, you know, like the artist, like the musician, like everybody else training to be peak performance. Couple that again with the AI aspect of things and an AI could be watching from multiple angles and teach both boxers how to box better because the AI has faster reaction time in terms of observation from multiple angles because only computers have the ability to multitask and it would react faster not as irrational but faster so that wisdom is gained from enhancing your skills over the years and i'm i i haven't read this article but when i saw this title I pretty much said, this is 
the nuts and bolts of it. So researchers from the University of Portsmouth compared indicators of expertise between the two groups that completed a simulation of a virtual burglary. The findings shed new light on the role of expertise in criminal decision-making and have implications for future crime prevention strategies and targeted interventions. Um, one of the things that I created a long time ago was involved in um, uh, the cybersecurity field within the domain of SCADA, um, which is supervisory control um, of what amounts to infrastructure computing systems that were never meant to be online. Um, and one of the things that I pitched as a security uh, solution is redesigning, remapping the entirety of a network randomly on the fly so that it could never be surveilled long term. So you could never get to the same destination the same way. Nothing could ever be permanent, kind of like ver uh, uh, dynamic IP addresses, but a little bit more uh, involved than that. Um, and that's kind of what this would solve by changing things up, not allowing the same thing to be seen the same way. Um, I uh, did the market research for a thing that I was referring to as Stealthio, which was basically uh, creating products that would stealth, hide, virtually make invisible um, higher end products. Right. So you have a stereo. It's really expensive, but you buy a faceplate so that it looks like garbage, um, but it functions like a high end stereo. That way, if somebody breaks into your house, they're going to go, oh, look, it's, you know, X and not um, moon audio or something like that. Um, so that would actually stymie a, a burglary. Why? Because it a skilled burglar wouldn't take something that isn't worth any value. A younger one might stumble across something by accident, but they may take everything and then take so long getting out that they get caught. Um, so it was really interesting to read a little bit about this. Um, did you see anything in here that you thought? I just think this whole experiment is interesting because <laughs> This is convicted burglars, and they're probably like, you want us to do what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I really do like this study. I have not seen anything like this before. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this, at least not in this context. Um, it's pretty typical to do things like pen testing, penetration testing, which is uh, it's typically when you, people hear about it, it's typically involving cybersecurity, but physical security is an aspect of penetration testing. Um, and so there are uh, analysts um, that get hired to try and get physical access to an establishment, a, a campus or um, an enterprise or organization, whatever it might be, um, typically referred to as campuses. But um, and uh, that is pretty much this except that it isn't academic um when you're doing it out in the commercial sense everything is academic in a sense because you're training somebody as well and training yourself to be more efficient more capable uh, but this is the scientific effort of it and i think that it's really interesting that somebody says 
We have a school of criminology and criminal justice at the Univers University of Portsmouth. Let's set up, you know, a, a fake uh, theft. Let's see how you get in there. Who does what, when, where, the timing, visual acuity and all of that. Um, it's, it's really interesting. It says this is a significant step forward in applying cognitive psychology concepts to understand criminal behavior by using virtual reality as a safe and effective proxy for real life behavior. We have been able to gain uh, unique insights into uh, the decision-making process of burglars. Um, they should study escape rooms. Cause well, that's true. Then, uh, and they can do that with more people, not just criminals, but with a criminal subset, you know, the convicted criminals uh, responsible for burglaries, you get straight into their mind. Um, if they're being forthcoming with their wisdom, it's pretty interesting. Um, I dig this. Okay. Let's keep going. This next article might make you hungry. Might not. Uh, the article's over in uh, hometown daily. Well, you're an AI, so you're not hungry about this stuff, but <clears throat> uh, I haven't had a burger in a long time. So uh, in and out is bar barring staff from wearing masks unless they have a medical note. The burger icon wants customers to see employees smiles. Well, pay them more. And... Here's your burger <laughs> with a side of pandemic. <laughs> In-N-Out Burger is an iconic fast food chain based in Southern California. The chain said workers must have a medical note to wear a mask in five states where it operates. The chain said the new mask rule emphasizes the importance of showing customers uh, associates smiles. You know what? All I want is good food. More often than not, I see people in fast food restaurants that that when they do smile, it's because I'm smiling. It's not because they're absolutely happy to sit there and slog through a 10 hour day with grease flying everywhere and extremely hot temperatures and people getting pissed off at you because there's five less fries than the last time they went through. I'd rather just have fast, reliable, friendly masked service. I don't know about you. What do you all think? Uh, if you're in chat, if you're in, in uh, hometown right now, well, how do you feel about it? Do you want people smiling or do you just want quality service and you don't really care about the mask? I don't care about the mask. In fact, I'd rather you be healthy and nobody else get you sick behind the counter and then you suffer from not being able to show up for work and the manager gets all pissed off. You know, um, the way that I think about things is everything is tied together. We are intimately connected. Sometimes the distance is quite far, but kind of like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, we're all connected. Somehow I know every single one of the people that have ever come into chat and lurked and left. Um, somewhere there is a connection between me and everybody just got to find it. What I don't want is somebody coming to the counter that has COVID or something else, just regular old flu. And it knocks me out because they sneezed. So I, uh, 
a lot of other countries wear a mask because they're not feeling good or they don't like the smoke that's in the air or whatever. Why we have such a visceral reaction to wearing a mask is kind of beyond me. This also reminds me somewhat of the article about sheets. Remember they were actually firing people that mm -hmm. didn't have like a, a, a good smile. smile essentially, yeah. which I just thought was awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's all about marketing and uh, providing a good image, right? But good is highly subjective. Um, I remember one time making a remark and it was kind of this, obviously it was in a perfect world. My remark was kind of being a jerk, right? Um, and I, there was somebody uh, close to me that said, well, why would you say something like that? And I'm like, oh, wow, I better check my privilege kind of a thing. Um, because I had made this kind of snide comment and I don't even recall really exactly what it was anymore, um, but it was entirely uh, subjective. You know, somebody else wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, and I've been the receiver, the receiver, uh, the recipient of those comments as well. Like I, I wear a shirt like this out in public outside of hometown and uh, one person will sit there and go, you know, Hawaii is an island 3000 miles away. And other people are like, that is a nice shirt. Um, and it, it's very subjective. Appearance is very subjective. So me seeing a person wearing a mask like that, right there in the picture. If you're in the podcast, then you're not going to see this, but it's a person wearing an in and out uniform and, um, a mask. And I would have no problem. I'm like, right on, you know, maybe you've got a cold and, and you don't want anybody to get sick, or maybe you don't like a smoker that is standing outside your establishment. You don't want to have to deal with it. Or, you know, the Canadian forest fires were flooding, um, the Northeast with smoke and raising smog levels and people started wearing masks. Why? Because they didn't want smoke in their lungs for crying out loud. Uh, so before I get too far into this article, um, well, um, I'm so far into this, it's crazy. But anyway, Nancy Luna over at businessinsider.com is the author of this article. And, um, so yeah, in and out burger is basically saying, if you don't have a medical note, you're not allowed to wear a mask. You know, I think that's gonna, I think they're gonna get sued because while it allows for medical, it seems like it's discriminating against people that have medical conditions, potentially. Well, you have to disclose to somebody that you have a medical condition. And that actually, that's kind of like a, similar to the old school army statement of don't ask, don't tell. I shouldn't be forced to disclose that I have a medical condition simply because you have a policy in place that might be subject to my medical condition. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, somebody is going to call this out, but you to call it out. Well, it depends, you know, there used to be a time where the only time you could call something out like this was if you had been compromised by it, right? Like, you were harmed by it, but based on that, uh, that Supreme court, um, 
case about the person making the cakes. That's right. The, the person who um, supposedly asked the cake maker to make a cake wasn't even a real person. An affected party. Yeah. Right. An affected party. Thank you. Um, so apparently, and then came the statement that, no, you can do that. You, you know, like a preemptive strike on mitigating the harm to affected parties. So quite interesting. So maybe somebody will step up. Anyway, um, Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, Texas, and Utah are all people that are involved in this. So, um, I don't know. Maybe this is something that people will sit there and go, you know what? I don't, I don't really support this. Um, and then somebody will start uh, ranting and raving about cancel culture or something like that, but it's not really cancel culture. It's standing up for what you believe in. Um, Okay, let's keep on going. This is a really interesting set of articles uh, today. Like, not to say that they're usually not, but this, this, these are, these <laughs> are all really fun. Other show. <laughs> <laughs> these are all really fun. I like these. Um, okay, so if you're traveling this summer, um, which isn't summer like eighty percent over? It's about halfway over. Well, oh, really? Oh, okay. I guess it depends. I think for most school people that are in school. Right, it depends on people's schedules, but yeah. yeah. So this article is over on Hometown Daily. Prepare to show your ID at TSA this summer, even if you're paying $189 to ski in your eyeballs. Um, all clear members will have their identity verified by the TSA in the future. The agency says the company's screening process was called into question following a security breach last summer. I hadn't even read this, but I knew that was the issue. Back to reality hacker. You won't know what to trust because now even the security system that was powering this might've been compromised and injecting that means your eyeballs are everywhere. Well, not just that, but it, the database could have been compromised. It could have been injected with real, with, uh, data that would allow somebody to get inside. Ooh. Uh, anyway, clear members can cut airport uh, security lines with touchless ID verification. Um, the articles over at business insider by Hannah Toey. You'll all have to, uh, I don't know there there's this little booth for clear. And then over to the side is the body cavity check. Um, <laughs> just run I did in not see that in the photo you just run in there and just say i want to do the body cavity check and they'll probably either put you on a list a no-fly list and another Most list likely <laughs> anyway this summer clear members will be required to show their id so if you thought that pay to play was going to help you out yeah you're wrong while it may seem like a minor change, increasing ID checks for clear members may or could upend the company's already fragile competitive edge. TSA PreCheck, which costs $78 for five years, is more affordable and also gives travelers expedited screening options like the ability to keep your shoes on. I don't know what it is about my shoes, but my shoes are always sus. I can't count how many times I get pulled out of the line 
Come with me, sir. Man, not another one. Another body cavity check? Come on. Let's keep going. You jump in whenever you feel like it there, AI. <laughs> I'm not sure where to jump in there. <laughs> I get to look at your code all the time. So, um, the next article is over in the Smack Talk channel. Let me throw... Did I throw? No, I didn't. Um, man slacking already i get into the conversation and i just want to keep on talking instead of doing um this next article is over in the smack talk channel and it's unopened original iphone auction smashes record with hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars an original 2007 4 gig iphone has broken sales records at auction with a Four gigabyte version, uh, first release unit, still in its factory ceiling, selling for over $158,000. What the heck? The article's over at Apple Insider. Malcolm Owen is the author, and there it is in all its glory. An original iPhone, four gig, untouched by mere mortal hands. Except for maybe... No, never mind. I was going to say something snarky and it might land me in some serious trouble. So it says the second lot in LCG auctions, 2023 summer premiere auction ran from July 30th until July 16th. Did I say July 30th, June 30th until July 16th with the virtual hammer falling on bids at 8.08 PM Eastern after an initial bid of $10,000. The lot went through 28 bids in total, breaking $100,000 in the auction's closing hours and eventually reached $158,644. And when you add the 20% buyer's premium, the final price of the lot swelled to $190,372.80. That's quite a premium. <laughs> That's the bill at the restaurant when they automatically add 20% as a tip. So let's see for that money, the bidder secured an elusive four gig original iPhone. The reason for its exclusivity is due to its limited production run since Apple offered the eight gig model for a hundred dollars more prompting lagging sales for the lower capacity variant. And that hundred dollar thing has always kind of persisted. I think to this very day, the next model when it goes like from four to eight or eight to 16, it's always like a hundred dollars more still pretty amazing. Um, it's too bad. We didn't save any, uh, iPhones in hometown. Yeah. Tell me about it. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. You never know. I mean, there could be a widget somewhere in a box somewhere and you never know that that's going to be the commodity that people lose their freaking mind over. I mean, particularly it, it's because, well, everything is a collector to some a collector's addition to somebody. Eventually let's keep going. So uh, SAG after strike FAQ, there's a link um, in this. I'm sure of it that will connect you to a whole bunch of additional information. Um, about SAG-AFTRA, how the rules apply to influencers, journalists, cosplayers, and more. 
Basically, if you're a member of SAG-AFTRA, it applies to you because everybody is on strike. Gene uh, Mattis over at Variety.com put the article together. Um, it says here, I'm a film critic. Can I review movies? Absolutely. Critics are not on strike and are not obligated to stop reviewing movies or TV shows. Well, duh. Uh, what time is it? 9.41? No shit news? 9.41? Um, pardon the slang. Um... I'm an entertainment journalist. Will any actor talk to me about a project? Probably not. It's called promotion and that's actually verboten. Um, and it, this is literally an FAQ. So um, should you boycott Netflix? Neither WGA nor SAG-AFTRA has called for a boycott. Um, basically they are striking. So you're not expected to, you know, disembark from enjoying the the ride wherever it might be but but that's interesting because that's different than other striking situations for instance if there is a strike at a store they will ask you not to frequent the store yeah that's not exactly comparable to this yeah and that difference is um pretty profound in this because it isn't a it's the people that are paying the actors. It's the studio, right? Not the platform. Uh, plurality studios, yeah. Um, and so, and and here's this is this came up in a conversation um, today, as a matter of fact, that I was in. Um, the problem is that most actors don't have one boss, and we're not talking about the ones that are making millions we're talking about the ones that are making 30 35 40 thousand dollars a year and they don't have a boss to go to and they don't have the ability to demand more because everybody is seen as a singular entity so nobody has any bargaining power we're talking about the everyday employee that is working a gig right um, and so they don't necessarily have the ability to just say, I'm demanding more money because there are others out there that are members of SAG-AFTRA. And the only way that they can get these gigs is if they're members of SAG-AFTRA. So everybody goes on strike, but there isn't a boss to go to and say, Hey, can you bump me up $5,000 a year? But since 2019 they've basically lost about 20 to 25 percent of their salary because the cost of living has shot through the roof um so it's a little bit more complex than just going and finding another job because it's largely a gig economy um so they they end up talking about other things um and like i said at the very top of this if you're a member of SAG-AFTRA then you should be striking um, anything short of that is either promotion or you're developing something from uh, a studio or it, but if it's your own stuff, if it's your own thing, if you're not in SAG-AFTRA, then you just do whatever you need to do. But if you're a member of SAG-AFTRA, then are you th that right there is what I was saying. Are you promoting struck work? If you're promoting struck work, then you shouldn't be doing it. Um, same thing with everything else. 
right? I'm an independent producer. Can I get a waiver to keep making my project? Yes. Uh, but it's you doing your own work. You're not hiring other people uh, because they should be striking. So don't do it intentionally. Otherwise, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work out well in the long term if you violate the rules of a strike. Um, so follow that link over through hometown and check this out if you want to know more about it. But there's the minutia um, is also really important. So sh you should look at like do a search for who is being affected by the strike um, and what they're asking for and things like that. And uh, it's quite complex, but it really comes down to not the superstars. It's the everyday employees that are uh, essentially gig workers, not necessarily working steadily for any one studio, any one place. Um, and hence they don't have the ability to review every year their performance and say, I deserve, you know, $5,000 more or whatever it might be. Um, it's not a standard employment situation. Um, but let's keep on going. Sound good? Unless you want to add, add to it? No, that sounds good. Okay. I like the style of that article, though, with the FAQ. We don't see a lot of those. Yeah, it makes it more obvious. So this next article is over in the uh, continuity report. Why TikTokers are pretending to be robots and saying ice cream so good. Um, this is something that I was resistant to actually talk about. Um, and I had seen something about it. And then uh, a couple of other people started talking about it. And I said, yeah, I guess it's worthwhile. Um, but here's what's really interesting. When I saw that this was becoming a thing, I said, the only reason why anybody is doing this is because they're getting paid straight up, right? Just here's, you know, five bucks or two bucks or whatever you do your thing, whatever it might be. I don't even know what the qualification, but it's pay to play. And, and you're basically telling a human being do this, you know, um, whatever it might be. Some people are totally into it and willing to do it because they got to get the green and pay the mortgage, that kind of thing. And other people are, won't really do it. And, and they just don't do it. Some people get a kick out of it. Other people don't, but the Washington post wrote an entire article about it. <laughs> um, it must've been a light news day for them. I mean, I'm a little surprised they would have featured it, although it is in the arts and entertainment section. Um, yeah, but it's analysis. Come on. It doesn't take deep understanding, right? So the article in the Washington Post is titled Why TikTokers are Pretending to be Robots and Saying Ice Cream So Good. Analysis by Gene Park. All right. I'm not going to sit there and deep dive into this, but basically this has been around for like two years already. Um, and whenever somebody tips in a certain way, the person does the thing and you really do have to go and look, um, go to YouTube and watch videos of people that are doing this. Um, there are TikToks as well. Um, but if you just do a search and for pinky doll or, or, um, there's 
a bunch of them actually, but Pinky Doll is directly mentioned in this article. Um, they basically are real life Sims tunes where when you send something like GG, they say gang gang and they do an action or whatever it might be that's lined up with the emote or the sticker that was sent to them. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's really what it all comes down to. It's they. <laughs> It's being referred to as an NPC fetish <laughs> or NPC something. I, I, there's another word there. I think they're kind of stepping away from calling it a fetish, but basically it, it, you are telling an NPC what to do. <laughs> um, and I, when I first saw it, I was like, I cannot believe that people are willing to do that um, to that degree. You know, uh, it says in 2021, TikTok introduced its tipping feature where users can spend money to buy virtual coins. It's now 29 cents to buy 20 coins and $250 for 16,500 coins. Um, and whenever somebody sends that, uh, those coins, the, the, um, tipping, but they're stickers of some kind because they, they appear on the screen and notify the person that they've received something. Um, and that triggers the person <laughs> like idle animation and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't, I've seen like people tip, um, on Twitch and elsewhere and it provokes a reaction, but it's not like this. This is, this is a little different in its, uh, characterization. Um, but Hey, I'm not yucking anybody's yum. I'm just talking about, uh, this as a, a function of TikTok, um, because they're, you know, people will sit there and tip, um, 250 coins or whatever the currency might be. And it triggers an alert for the host, the, the person on the screen to take a drink or get something to eat or stand up or whatever it might be. Um, and that's usually something that is, I don't know. And to me, it's, it's different. Um, but really y'all should go out there and, and listen to some of these videos. It's sometimes surreal. Okay. Let's keep on going. We've got a bunch more articles still uh, to go. And I'm curious what chat thinks about all of this kind of stuff. Um, this next article is over in Smasher Trash. Vibrating haptic suits give deaf people uh, a new way to feel live music. And uh, hazard to say that it's not necessarily limited to deaf people. Um, but that is the nature of this article over at NPR. Let me throw it in chat real quick so that you can follow it if you are so motivated. Um, and there are actually a lot of, um, well, I, a lot is subjective as well. Um, but there are haptic suits that are used in VR. Um, a similar type of function can work for a virtual concert so that you actually feel the music and it doesn't necessarily need to be obs obscenely loud. Um, when uh, Daniel Belkar 
was first asked to join a team to make a better live music video or music experience for deaf and hard of hearing people. He was struck by how they uh, had developed workarounds to enjoy concerts. Um, what they are doing at the time was holding balloons to feel the vibrations through their fingers or go barefoot and flip the speakers um, facing the floor. Um, sometimes they, uh, I've, uh, I was told that they stand really close to the speakers so that they can feel the uh, wind and the vibrations um, as well. And it says, um, he thought the team could make something uh, to help hard of hearing people enjoy live music more with the technology now available. A quote, like, it's not cool. It's kind of limiting. We could do better than that, which obviously it's true. Um, you can change the nature of music by providing haptic feedback sensors that detect the audio. And I'm sure as time goes on, it can be smaller and a multitude more of them. But these are the little haptic feedback sensors um, and um, coinciding with the music, it responds to um, it responds with vibrations so that you can feel the music um, physically. Uh, his team started by strapping vibrating cell phone motors to bodies, but that didn't quite work. The vibrations were all the same. Eventually they worked with engineers to, uh, uh develop electronic components, um, at Avnet to create a light haptic suit with a total of 24 actuators or vibrating plates. Um, probably similar to the haptic sensors that you have on, um, things like, um, well, they're like, uh, um, tablets, you know, the little, um, oh, what do you call them? The, they're just, ha uh, haptic sensors that are on laptops and stuff like that. They don't have any moving parts. They're electromagnetic. And so they vibrate and the intensity of those vibrations can change depending on how much stimulus you want. Um, so they aren't motors really, uh, but the whole plate actually vibrates so um there are versions of this for vr as well and so you can be in a vr space and for me i would say that one of those kind of suits would be um expanded for this function you could actually put it on underneath your clothing instead of having these strapped onto you you can own it and it would be yours and you can go to the um look i this is the future i'm talking about i think that they can make these suits so that they respond um to the environment around you um and not just be these kind of uh, bigger bulkier um, plates there's much smaller thinner suits um kind of like um, nylon um body suits that you can put on. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's what they're doing now, um, for deaf and hard of hearing, um, people to enjoy concerts. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I, I think this. that's very cool. I haven't seen that anywhere else. No, this is the first time that I've ever seen this for this purpose. So it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, let's keep going. Uh, this next article is over in the mobile channel. Here's where America's worst drivers are found, according to this study. 
Now, the study by Consumer Affairs reviewed crash data from the U.S. Department of Transportation and information included in the National Highway Transportation Transportation Safety Administration's Fatality Analysis Reporting System. Yikes. Okay, now before we show any of the states, just think of where you are and think of what you think's on the list and see if that's right. <laughs> yeah, so anybody want to take a guess at where it might be? Um, we had a bunch of people in chat and uh, I'm really curious if anybody wanted to pop out of uh, <laughs> lurking and let us know. Um, Alicia Patton and uh, Addie Bink wrote this article over at The Hill. And, uh, well, let's scroll down here. The site then ranked um, cities based on four factors, crash fatalities per 100,000 people, the number of fatalities due to bad driving, positive blood alcohol content, and speeding. Bad driving included driving the wrong way in one-way traffic. Wow. Failing to yield, aggressive and careless driving, making an improper turn following improperly inexperienced operating inexperienced operating i don't know if that's bad that's that's just un <laughs> it's unwisened uh right. drivers you know it's different it's, than somebody who has been taught and cannot drive that's that's an interesting one okay uh, passing were prohibited and improper or erratic lane changing that's the only way i know how to lane change just kidding to my insurance company i am just kidding <clears throat> it's on the record i'm just kidding so let's just jump down to it the 10 cities with the worst drivers based on consumer affairs analysis were number one memphis tennessee anybody from T tennessee uh, memphis out there you let me know if this is correct you can send an email to hometown.com. <laughs> i'll enjoy that email baton rouge louisiana Hesperia, California? Where is Hesperia, California? I'll have to go. I think that might be rural, but I'm not sure. Mm. Macon, Georgia. Detroit, Michigan, and Victorville, California were tied. Um, Hesperia is in the Mojave Desert. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's near Santa Bernardino. Gotcha. Okay, so um, let's see. The 10 cities with the safest drivers are Green Bay, Wisconsin, Cary, North Carolina, Oxnard, California, all the way down to Henderson, Nevada, College Station, Texas. Is that rarely pronounced Pearland or Pearland? Mm, mm, I'm going to go with Pear since it's spelled that way. Oh. Anyway, well, you know, you, you get too close to the border of Pennsylvania and you get, what was the name of that place? The pronunciation or the yeah, name? The pronunciation. Hapile. Oh, that's right. Ohio pile. Hapile. Yeah. Still looking for it. All right. Ah, vacations. Okay, let's keep on trucking. Um, I threw this in because I'm a big fan of VR. Space Salvage is a retro sci-fi space sim that's coming to Quest and PC VR this year. 
Um, I'm really into uh, VR and um, space games, and uh, there is a game called Hard Space Shipbreaker that I have wanted to be uh, VR and kind of more open world. Um, it it has expanded to have other certain features that I like um, that weren't so prominent, and now they are, but what i one of the things that i really want to do is play a game where i'm in space and really the whole gig is to go out and do mining and stuff like that and and build an empire uh if not just of one but with maybe robots um that automate the process kind of um uh, something that's kind of chill and I can just go out there and, and fly around and enjoy the wide open spaces and find some asteroid and actually mine it. And I want everything procedural um, and, and not don't really limit me in, in terms of where I can go and what I can do. Um, but I, I, I don't really care about like um, frenetic combat and all of that kind of stuff i want to do the more like the business aspect of things and and um, i think that this might be it but it's not gonna release um i think it's it there's a game that's releasing tomorrow uh, but i don't think this is it i'll have to take a look but let's go over to the source of this um but before i do let me throw this into chat there you go folks um so uh over at road to vr um scott hayden is the author of this and i'm gonna hit play but i'm going to mute it real fast because i always get a dmca notice is this an ad no no it's not okay Oh, it's listed as coming soon on Steam, but not a date. Yeah. And so what you're going to end up being able to do is fly your ship around and do mini games and salvage stuff. And I think that this is just going to be a blast. I don't know how high res it's ultimately going to be. Um, it looks kind of uh, more animated but that's kind of the, it's part of the shtick, I suppose. Oh, I think it's zero generation that's coming tomorrow. Maybe not. I don't know. I'll have to look again. Anyway. Um, it has asteroids flying around. It has what looks like flaming meteors as well. Um, and other other stuff uh, I don't know it doesn't really show all that much it doesn't show the actual salvage operations and then it just stops um, so I will probably end up getting this uh, simply because I I love playing VR games and this actually speaks to me in multiple ways Players will also be able to choose how they play, whether it be more relaxing search for valuables across Nebula, 
or upgrading armaments to win interfaction dogfights, of course, all while physically manipulating the virtual throttle and flight stick, you know, like you would in space. Might be fun. I might get space sick. All right, let's keep on space trucking. This next article is over in the Smack Talk channel. OLED iPhone screens can now be repaired with a laser. What's interesting about this is I actually was watching um, it, the process of this OLED iPhone screen being repaired, and then an article appeared in Omtown, which it's really spooky when that kind of stuff happens. Um, but I guess it's all the rage and a lot of people are talking about it right now. So fixing OLED panels uh, using a laser has emerged as a new way to address screen issues among the most uh, common iPhone repairs and could help people save money. Could being the operative word here. Andrew Orr over at uh, appleinsider.com put this article together. But if you do a search, um, you uh, over on YouTube, you should be able to find this um, video and others. I won't really play it. Um, there, there's not really much to, to see really, um, but it allows you to, or it allows the operator to repair traces so that the OLED screen reactivates because there are some flaws in the manufacturing process. Um, one of the unique features of this machine is its ability to repair the screen while it's still on. It allows the operator visually track the repair process and instantly recognize when the issue has been resolved as the change happens right before their eyes. I'll hit play. So this machine... Um, this video is actually kind of long-winded about the process, but let's see if I can jump through it because I just realized that this is the video that I saw. That's what I was just going to say. I'm like, this looks very familiar. Um, I don't know if it's going to show it. Sorry, one second, folks. I'm really sorry that uh, this isn't the exciting video uh, show that you really want to dial in here, huh? Um. There's a lot of talk, but yeah. So basically, oh, right here, there we go. So you can see where the, the trace is kind of either damaged or contaminated and using the laser, they can repair that. Um, and it'll reactivate the OLED screen quite fascinating. Um, I'm really surprised that it's taken this long to develop something like this, but like laser ablation stuff has existed for a while for a lot of different purposes, um, removing an impurity within that, within the, the technology I thought would have been already used, but, um, it's new to me too. So pretty cool stuff. Um, I, I won't, uh, linger on this but if it all works out it's less invasive there's less waste it repairs the screen live you get in and out um, now all it takes is somebody to spend probably tens of thousands of dollars on getting this laser repair tool um, 
or it's going to be... Go ahead. I was going to say, you can see if it's actually fixed, which is beneficial because that could save time and yep. sending it in for multiple repairs. Um, one of the caveats is right at the bottom of the screen. Um, the process is not able to repair iPhone screens that are physically broken with cracks or scratches. The repair process only applies to the OLED panel that sits under and is often fused to the glass. So that's pretty typical that when the glass breaks, it damages the screen itself. Um, that's under the protective layer. That's why I always get a protective layer on top of it. Um, it actually warps the edges sometimes because the glass doesn't go fully edge to edge, but I'd rather go through that pain and suffering than having to get a whole new phone because an accidental drop. Okay, finally, the last article for today um, is over in the Prime Glass channel, a relatively new uh, addition to Omtown. Italy seeks the return of seven possibly looted works from the Louvre. Um, the museum's director says uh, works with dubious provenance are a stain in the collections of the Louvre. <laughs> okay. Yes, I was going to say you need to say that with the appropriate emphasis. Um, wow. Um, but hey, if they are of dubious provenance, then they should be returned to the rightful owners of them. If it can't be proven that they weren't stolen, for crying out loud, might as well return it. And it says possibly looted. So this is over at theartnewspaper.com. Uh, Gareth Harris is the author of this and um, definitely go and check this article and the site out. Um, you can follow the link through hometown and, and check it out uh, for yourself. But they have these um, great pictures and then the article um, talks about what's going on uh, in February, Gennaro Sanguiliano the Italian Minister of Culture uh, met Dakar in uh, or to discuss the possible repatriation of the disputed works. Meanwhile, last September, Luigi La Rocca, uh, Director General of Archaeology at the Italian Minister Ministry of Culture, presented a list of works at the Louvre's collection sought by Italy, including the crater of the painter of Antamines and a head of Heracles from the ancient Etruscan city of Servateri. Dakar says, quote, we will enter a new phase this fall at the end of which we will recommend a position on the contested works to the Ministry of Culture. I, it, what's interesting is I'm stuck between sometimes without thing certain events taking place the works would be gone forever either destroyed or put in a private collection somewhere and the history is lost forever because somebody decided to stick it in their basement um, or straight out destroy it because there have there have been situations like that where what could have been removed and i struggle with this because I think that a country should have its, you know, whatever it creates is self-determination. 
but with these ancient artifacts there's been some flexibility about who's in control and what is uh of the people itself that's there now versus what the people made 30,000 years ago you know what i'm saying um well, so very difficult to trace the lineage um i mean sometimes it can be done but and i i think it being in a museum if it's disputed uh, that may be better than some of those alternatives yeah and i want to be able to go and see these things eventually you know if not virtually via pictures and and audio descriptions and stuff like that from people that are uh, well informed about the uh, items then i want to be able to go there um, and it's not necessarily accessible uh, to get into some countries um, italy is fairly easy to get into um, for most people but um it's an option but still you know i i really don't want our ancient history to be disappeared um and and put in a warehouse somewhere because there isn't enough space i would rather our prehistory be liberally sprinkled um around so that nothing in its totality can disappear uh because of one reason or another whatever it might be um, intent or incompetence or whatever um, I just I love the idea of being able to see this stuff um, it says here four pieces in the Louvre's collection were identified by Maurizio Pellegrini and Daniel Re Daniela sorry Daniela Rizzo archaeologists who retired from the Italian Ministry of Culture five years ago these specialists trawled uh, what is it Bacinas um archives and discovered that the louvre bought the crater by the painter of antamines um, for two hundred ninety thousand dollars from the dealer in 1987. so oh, that must have been one of the convicted dealers or gotcha. i guess one of those was bikina another expert who has tracked the works in the louvre includes christos Ciro Guianis, head of illicit antiquities research, UNESCO chair, Ionian University of Greece, who spotted the Berlin painter Amphora in the Medici archives. The work, once owned um, by the oil magnates Nelson and William Hunt, was bought by the Louvre at an auction in London, 1994. So obviously, the provenance is all built around, you know, very well off, politically connected and capable people buying it up. Um, it, it makes me think of Indiana Jones, you know, it needs to be in a museum and the retort is you need to be in a museum or, um, I, I think that as long as it's protected and, and nothing's going to happen to it, then fine. But um, it used to be sitting in somebody else's basement, you know, only appreciated by, you know, the ultra rich. Um, I'm glad it's out and sees the light of day. I just hope that nothing ever happens to it. 
and it's just one thing. This is, I mean, I'm not even talking about just this. Uh, I, I think all of these, um, return them to the country of origin and uh, let's hope that they protect them. Um, much like the Louvre did, if not better. <laughs> um, pretty cool. And, uh, I'm really a, a proponent of virtualization of this kind of stuff. So digitize these things, ultra high resolution, create a medium for people to appreciate them from a distance because more people knowing about it understands our situation as humans on the planet might stoke and some also, people. I was going to say also causes them to appreciate and call for preservation of art. Yep. They might even go into the industry um, to defend this stuff, the, the, the material, the history. Um, and um, uh, people have changed their entire course of their career because they've found, found themselves aligned, attuned with some cause. Um, unlike me, who, when I was told that I might be going to a dig, to, an archaeological dig and have to dig up bodies, I went the other direction. If I was told that all I would ever dig up was amphora, you know, I, then I'd be all over it. But I don't want to stumble across a skull. I don't know what it, what about it doesn't actually bother me when I talk about it. But yeah, the thought of finding a skull is just kind of disconcerting. So like many other things, I'm glad somebody else does it. Okay, well, that's it for the show today. But if we go back to the welcome sign on Main Street of Omtown and mash that little Omtown button there, we get to see uh, some more news. Oh, Neopets is promising a new era with an improved website and fixed Flash games. Wow, Neopets disappeared. Now they're back. Right, I don't remember when we've seen those last. That's pretty cool. We got to keep that. Um, let's see. How a whole about lot of people are going to be. Evacuation slide landing in somebody's neighborhood. <laughs> we'll have to add that. Uh, if you are out there in chat in hometown and you are surfing hometown.com and interested in an article please send it to us um you can send it to uh, mara at hometown.com or send me the link in a message uh, here on twitch or even youtube um i don't know if leaving it in a comment uh, or a, in a review on apple um, or any other podcast place that allows reviews apple podcast is really important so if you can find your way over there and leave a review a five-star review will garner uh, me saying your review <laughs> verbatim uh, depending on uh its content uh, to some degree i will say whatever is in it but um there are some constraints but anyway i think it's i don't think i need to spell out what the constraints are i guess don't be a jerk um yeah uh okay well anyway that is it for tonight really appreciate everybody who might have hung out and chat i know there there were lurkers 
Um, you make the world go round. So thank you very much for spending your hour and 20 minutes um, here with us. Very nice. Thank you very much. Oh, you might have noticed the slight change in my display, not in the AIs, but I got rid of my border. It just added a little bit of like, color, but um, I don't know. I think the show's colorful enough. Anyway, more stuff is happening over on Ometown, and we'll keep on trying to enhance it as time goes on. So thanks for hanging out. In the meantime, I'm Marawat. That is hometown.com. Up there is the AI that keeps me in check. I want to say good night. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. True story. See you then. Bye bye.